in the garden of the manse next door, there is a crab apple tree. You know, not one of those apple trees that gives you something that you can bite into and get a really sweet taste, but you could use it for making crab apple jelly or, or something like that. In the spring, it's covered with leaves. The leaves come and it's this huge ball of green. Then in May, it turns sort of white with the apple blossom. Ju July, August, the small apples appear and don't get much bigger. And they sort of go from green to slightly ready in some parts. But now, just a few days from December, just a few days from meteorological winter, those apples are gone. And most of those leaves have gone too. There's just one or two hanging on in there at the very tip of some of the branches. But we know they too will be gone soon. The seasons come and the seasons go. And then the pattern begins again, albeit with a tree that has grown slightly, another ring hidden deep inside the trunk. The signs of the passing months and years, be it the life pattern of a tree, the phases of the moon, the position of the stars, they've been known for thousands of years. And in more recent times, we have been more likely to use a calendar or a diary or maybe our phone or even our iPad to think of time. But these are linked to that natural progression of the world. Hence our need every four years or so for our leap day, just to get us back on line with where nature is. A friend of mine on Facebook joked with me earlier this week that it was, uh, it was time that Easter was a fixed date. To which I replied, it is fixed. It's always on the first Sunday following the full moon that is on or after the spring equinox. You know, it always follows that pattern. We can predict when it is, because it's always then. The date of Easter can be calculated and predicted well in advance. And of course, Christmas has been marked on a fixed date since the fourth century. But in the season of Advent, our time of waiting for something special, about God's kingdom. Our anticipation is not simply our preparation for remembering the birth of Jesus, but needs to think of how the king is coming again. The passage from Matthew that 
Janet read to us, sits in harmony with our reading from Luke's Gospel a couple of weeks ago. In fact, when we were discussing things in home group, we kind of strayed into this territory. They both point to the folly of trying to determine or calculate when the day that every knee will bow will be. When is it that the king is coming? We just don't know. People have thought they knew the date of return. And millennial cults have occasionally tried to define it, but they are not alone. I mentioned earlier about Martin Luther. Others, much earlier still, around the year 1000, thought that was the time. And you might remember some around the year 2000 thought that would be the moment of return. But the date of coming is not encoded form in the New Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. Else we would not be in the situation where Jesus tells us it is only known to the Father. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. The fact that Jesus in his earthly ministry doesn't know something occasionally confuses believers. How can Jesus not know? Jesus is fully divine, and with the Spirit and the Father is one. But Jesus is also fully human and had the infant or youth or young adult Jesus known fully all of eternity, then his humanity would have been shaped in a very, very different way. Instead, the Spirit within provides our Lord with what is needed at the right time. Just as the Spirit sometimes speaks to us and will provide as we need at the right time. If we do not suspect that something will happen, we can be completely overcome with surprise when it does. However, with the old motto, forewarned is forearmed, we may be in some ways surprised, but also prepared. All of us, I'm sure, in June at the time when we had village day and we were on the common and we were thinking on that jubilee weekend, we were all recognizing the age of our Queen Elizabeth 
and we had probably heard reports about her health deteriorating. But when in September we saw photos of her meeting Boris Johnson and then Liz Truss at Balmoral, few, I imagine, would have thought of her death coming so soon that week. It took us by surprise. Yet over the days that followed her death, it was clearly evident the amount of forethought and preparation that had previously taken place. For although that specific date was unknown, it was known that it would come. And there was thinking there and arrangements in place. The transport of the coffin, the proclamation of a session of the king, the lying in state, the funeral, huge undertakings, the date of which could not be planned in advance. But they weren't unprepared for. It was obvious that there had been very detailed planning. Jesus speaks of his return. So that although his coming will happen unpredictably, we ourselves will not be found in unpreparedness. Male or female, young or older, outdoors or inside, Whatever is happening in our life, we need to be prepared. The passage is somewhat contentious as to what happens to the man or woman who are suddenly taken. Are they physically still alive in the way that Elijah, Enoch, and the risen Lord seem to be taken from the earth? Or is the idea of them being taken more metaphorically, saying their mortal life has ended unexpectedly and in a way that their colleague is left behind? Whichever of these is the case, doesn't for that individual really matter? Because in both cases, assuming that individual is a believer, the one that is taken is with the Lord. The outcome is the same. They're called to the Father's side. They're free of the fallen earth. The challenge is not about how we interpret that theology. It's about rather being ready rather than resting on one's laurels. The thief breaks in when we least expect it. Jesus is not calling himself a thief. That's not what is happening here. But he's saying something that happens when you're least expecting will be the thing that happens. When you're on watch, it's less likely. 
the thief comes, and not necessarily through the front door, perhaps an open window. In Jesus' words, it's literally breaking through the wall. It's as if somebody digs through the wall, is this breaking in that the burglar does. And so we need to be on our watch, guarding our life continually, because the evil one does take any opportunity that we offer. If we choose to allow ourselves to be tempted, then that is our foolishness. The Lord always offers a way out, but we do not always take that way out. If we tell untruths to our advantage, if we take things that don't belong, if we take advantage of other people or are abusive towards them, then are we living a faithful life? And if we are not living a life rooted in the faith, what happens in that instant that the king of creation brings his kingdom in its fullness? Where are we then? In the day of Noah, we are told, many were simply living a life, eating, drinking, getting married, but they had turned their backs on God. And Jesus doesn't speak of these people being particularly evil or wicked or sinful in this passage, simply that they are doing things that are normal of life, but without any reference to God. And it's easy to switch into that mode, to know God, but allow the relationship to drift. It's what I myself did as a teenager when I dropped out of the church. I came back in my 20s, but there was a time when things just didn't mean anything. And then I awoke. It's a thing that people do at all sorts of ages, maybe in their middle age, maybe older too. We begin to rest on our laurels. We begin to do things our own way. And that's a story all the way through the Bible. From the Tower of Babel through the kings, through to the time of Jesus. People who knew God deciding to go their own way. It's not that they've turned into mass murderers. It's just that they're not putting as number one in their life the one who loves them and died in their place on the cross that sins could be forgiven and eternity known. If we are tempted to rest on our laurels, to put things aside, to turn from the one that gives us life, then what happens in that moment when the expected yet surprise happens, when Christ the King returns. Until then, until then, as days pass, 
and become seasons and then become years as a tree grows taller, as our hair turns grayer, maybe recedes, as our wrinkles get a little deeper. We come closer to the day we will come before the king. What will he have seen and heard of us? What will he make of us? Let us, each one of us, be ready for that day. Let us be ready. Let us be prepared with faithful hearts, ever giving him glory and reflecting his love in the world. Amen.